Today we're going to be continuing in on the topic our heart and the stuff. This is part three. I'm just going to do a brief recap. Um, and I define the stuff as anything that will deter or distract us from being loyal to the Lord and serving Him willingly. That's the stuff. Now, last week we were in Psalm 139, and I, we were talking about um, David, and he's talking about in, in this psalm about the Lord searching our hearts. And the Lord knows our shortcomings. And he will allow circumstances in our lives to try or test us, which reveals our anxieties and fears. So you wonder why we go through stuff, right? That we were just talking about. He'd allow it. So that there are things in us that he wants to expose. And he will expose. Because with pressure comes exposure of your character, of your beliefs, your behavior. I mean, it just exposes things about you. And sometimes, depending on on it, you find things about yourself you didn't know. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we think we got it all we got it all down. Yeah. I have five different Bibles. I mark it. I pray every day. No, seriously. I pray every day. I fast. But when the rubber meets the road, what do you, what's really in your heart? And the trials will put on display what's really going on internally. Why does the Lord allow us to go through such agony at times? I don't know any trial... Where there is no agony in it. I mean, I don't want to dwell on the trials. I want to, you know, we want to talk about the victories. But let's, we got to talk about the trials. Because we're going through stuff. We, this is what is keeping us awake. And preoccupying our thoughts. Even though the Bible says be anxious for nothing. Yes, anxious for nothing. But the reality of our lives is. We lose sleep. We can't eat sometimes. Can we be real? Or we want to just play games here. But even though you, you can't sleep or you, you can't eat, doesn't mean that you are overwhelmed by the situation. Because when Jesus knew what was coming on the pike, that he's going to be beaten, spat on, and nailed to the cross, why do you think he was in the garden praying to the Father? Father, if it's your will, can you make this cup pass from me? However, it's not my will, it's your will. So he was, he was in agony in the garden. So, so we understand, when you're going through stuff, the Lord understands if you have a sleep, your sleepless nights, your loss of appetite. He understands. The question is, what do you do in the midst of all that drama that's going on in your head and in your, in your life? You're going to submit to Him and do His will because Jesus says, not my will, the Father, your will be done. He still submitted to what the Father required of Him. So as we go through our drama, the question is, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to press in or are we going to just lash out and start cussing and retaliating and do? Because it's a setup. If you understand the context of the arena we are living in, it's a setup. I already jumped into my message. I didn't even do my recap. Oh my God. Anyhow, 
So why does the Lord allow us to go through agony at times? Because the world will say, if God loves us, why is He allowing X, Y, Z? He allows it to shape our character so that our enemy cannot capitalize on our weaknesses and put us in bondage. Understand the context of the environment that we are living in. Remember there's a series I did on, on the predator and the prey. I talked about the arena that we're living in, the spiritual dynamics that's taking place in things that we don't see in the spiritual realm. We have to understand the arena we are living in. The Lord doesn't want us to be anxious about anything which causes us to walk in unrighteousness before Him. The attacks, the trials, is to put, put us to the test so that our final trust and hope will be in Him and not in our flesh. So when we say we love the Lord, the trials put that love to the test and on display. So if a husband is going through something, it's not just him. It affects the wife, it affects the kids, it affects the whole family. So the wife and the kids watching how daddy is telling us to love the Jesus and put our hope in Jesus, but daddy's freaking out and cussing out and carrying on, it puts what daddy's love, he says he loved Jesus, but look how daddy's carrying on. And he's abusing the, my, my mom. It puts the love of God on display. So what daddy is saying, if daddy is really loved the Lord, if this is what the love of Lord, the love of God looks like, I don't want no part of that Lord, that love of that God. It puts the love of God on display. It doesn't mean that how we display it is correct. It just shows the deficiency in our heart if we are lashing out and if we are being abusive. So it's not just about you dad or you mom. It affects the whole family. It affects everyone in your circle of influence. So the enemy is never about just you. He's about taking down the whole family and everyone associated with it. Amen. 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 So we have, we must acknowledge our anxieties and doubts and unrighteous ways as they are revealed in the trial. Because when mom or dad comes, come going through the trial and they realize I acted like a jerk. We got to repent and acknowledge, Lord, I, I really messed this up. So go up, go ask your wife for forgiveness. Because we didn't do what we are supposed to do. It is not easy. It is not easy. Amen. So we have to acknowledge our anxieties, doubts, our, and our righteous ways because they will be revealed in the trial. Amen. And then you realize, I ain't got it all together, Lord. I thought I did. I thought I did, but guess what? I need some work. I need some help. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. So, you know, when you, when you, when you experience this and the, and the Lord lavishes His love upon you when you repent. That's why when I, I was talking about, about having compassion with people. Have compassion to people. Because they're all going through stuff. And not everybody is a spiritual giant. 
We all have our areas of weaknesses. So we have to walk in love. We have to walk in have compassion. We have to be quick to forgive. This ex- let's be real. Can we be real? This experience is not easy. I don't care what anybody says. I'm just telling you because I'm going through stuff. And I've been going through stuff. It is not easy. Listen, it's, we say, you know, as we go through things with the Lord. You know, I had to correct myself. Because, you know, I was saying, as you go through trials and you experience things with the Lord, it becomes easier. No, it doesn't become easier. Because every time your faith is put to the test. But what happens is the way you respond to the Lord is quicker than the previous times because there's an intimacy over time even in the trial if you choose to submit to him there is an intimacy that you have with the Lord that you didn't have five years ago or you you didn't even have in the last trial there's an intimacy listen this this walk with the Lord yes we have the word yes we have preachers Bible study we got all this stuff going on But let me tell you something. There is no substitute for experience. Do you hear what I'm just saying to you? We could talk the lingo. We could sing and sing hallelujah. But there is no substitute for experience. So when people say, I know what you're going through. But they haven't been through what you've been through. Just be nice and say, I don't think you really understand what I'm going through. Have you ever had a baby? Somebody who's never had a baby? Somebody who's ever been married? Writing a book on marriage? What, the, what, are, you, what are you going to teach me? You have no clue on what you're talking about. You've never had a baby. You understand what it is to carry this child for nine months? Go through all the labor pains? You have no clue. You read a book. But you don't know. You know, your, your mother can try and help you through what, it, what, you know, what it's like to have a child. But until you experience it, man, you have such an appreciation for your mother. When you have your first, you say, Mom, I'm so sorry for all the drama I've put you through. The same thing with your kids. Well, this is how you should treat, raise your kids. Do you have kids? No. I, I read a book. I have a degree. I, I, you know, I have a master's degree. You got any, do you have any kids? No, I don't. But I've studied it. I understand. I can counsel you. No, you, you, you really don't know. You're just telling me stuff from, from research and data. No, you really don't know. You know some stuff, but you really don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like 24-7 with, this, with these kids driving me crazy. What do we do and say when we are under pressure and put on display? What do we do and say? It exposes, as I said, the condition of our heart. Do we truly press in the Lord or, or do we lose hope? Or do we faint? Do we really press in? You know, I talked about last week what I was, what we, what I was going through with, you know, the things that we were going through on in this family. I mean, I never thought, those thoughts were just bombarding me. And I was like, my goodness, you're the pastor. And these, you're allowing these thoughts? I'm sorry. I'm a human being in this flesh. The question is, what do I do with the thoughts? <laughs> I'm not immune. 
You are not immune. None of us are immune to the fiery darts. The question is, what do we do when the fiery darts come? And the fiery darts will expose what's in our heart. You know, don't, don't freak out. Don't, don't trip if you mess up. Don't trip. The Lord already knows. The question is, what do you do when you realize you messed up? Are you going to be stiff-necked, hard-hearted? Or are you going to get on your knees and repent? And go ask the Lord for forgiveness? And if you've offended somebody, go ask them for forgiveness. Suck it up. You see, this is the thing. When the Lord reveals to you what you do. Well, she and he, I, pride. You, he's saying, you offended the person. You upset the person. So you go to the Lord, forgive me for what I've said or done. Because you didn't have self-control. Now he said, well, before I can forgive you, you got to go and talk to whomever you have offended and ask them for forgiveness. For whatever you have done. Well, I can't do that because, well, I'm sorry, you, you are still prideful. You're not willing to yield to me. So how can I forgive you if you're not willing to go and ask forgiveness from the other person? He said, go straighten that out. Then you come talk to me. Now the question is, what do you do? You've got the revelation. You know what you have to do. Now you have to have the guts to get up and go do it. Make the phone call. Send the text. And don't say, could you forgive me over text. Go and face to face. Suck it up and go do it. And that is a testing of your faith. That is when you, sh- when you do it, that's when you show that you really love the Lord. Because you're not a hearer of the word, you are a doer of the word. And what did Jesus say about love? They who keep my commandments. Keeping doesn't mean you keep it in your head and your heart. Keeping means you do what I say. They who keep my commandments show me who that they love me. It ain't easy. I'm, 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 this, let me say, this walk is not easy. That's why Jesus says, narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few, few find it. My goodness. If, if I read that. And that, that few that find it, that just grab a hold of me by my throat. I'm like, few find it. Many walk, there are many who walk the narrow way. There are many more that go the wide way. But that narrow way, we have to walk it. And it's, very, it's exclusive. That's what the Holy Spirit gave me. Even though it's difficult, it's exclusive. Because you know what it is for the few that walk that road? That narrow road? You're in a, you're, you're in a, a class all by yourself. You're not just like everybody else. You're in a class all by yourself. I'm kind of doing recap and also my message. Right? So. And you know the thing that freaks me out too? Under pressure, sometimes you do things you never thought you would do. I thought I had it together. I find myself doing things I would never thought I would do. It, it brought me right back to Peter. I will not deny you, Jesus. I will not deny you. Jesus says, before the, the cock throws, you'll deny me three times. In other words, Hell no. I ain't doing that. I'm with you. I'm your boy. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be with you no matter what's going on. I'm there with you. 
Hey, you're one of those Jesus freaks. No, I don't know that man. Peter did exactly what Jesus said. And, and, what, what, and after he did it, his heart was, was breaking. Because what Jesus said he was going to do, he did it. He never thought he would do it. Ne- never thought he would do it. And that, when the Lord reveals that to you, when you do things you never thought you would do, and you see it and he reveals it to you, your heart is feel like it's been ripped out from you. And you realize. And then with that, when you, you, know, you repent, he comes and you, what, what, what does the Lord do? He forgives you. And, it's not, and this is not like a mental thing. You actually, I've experienced this once in my life. When you go into such agony and you repent, you actually feel the presence of God. I only experienced that once. You actually feel the presence of God. And it's not, how do I describe it? It's like love. A love, you don't deserve it. You know you messed up. You know you're, you're, you're just nasty. You, you know you're, you're unworthy. And then you feel a love and a forgiveness that you cannot explain it. Look, I, I'm trying to explain to you that the feeling. It's like childbirth. You can't, a woman can't explain the love she has for a child when she bears the child. How do you explain that? You can't explain it. But it's ex- an experience you have and you know it. You know it's something you didn't even know you had the capacity for. You all who are children, you understand what I'm saying? Okay? It's the same thing when you're in agony and the Lord forgives you, He not only forgives you, He embraces you with Himself. It's like a hug. It's like a spiritual hug. But it's, it's a love that you experience that you, can't, you cannot, ex- I can't explain it to you. It does something to your whole body, your soul. You feel like so clean afterwards. Clean, like clean, I mean clean. And then you understand the love of God. You start understanding the love of God. Anyhow, it's not even my message. Okay, so today, let's go to 1 Timothy <laughs> chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And let's go to verse 15. Let me know when you're there, please. Okay, verse 15. I, I, I don't like reading in the middle of a, of, of, a, of a thought, but I have to. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. And he said here in verse 15, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now listen to this. The pillar and ground of the f- truth. Paul is saying here, I write, I'm writing this letter so that you may know how you, Timothy, ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now this only, doesn't, only, doesn't only apply to Timothy, okay? It applies to other believers. Which is the church of the living God. 
So he's talking about house of God, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. So you listen to that. The context. The written word is to let the people of God know how to behave in the house of God. Not only when you come to church. Because where, where is the house of God? Our bodies. Not only when you come to church, when you gather together, when nobody's watching. The church is the pillar and ground or foundation of truth. Of the truth. Do you hear that? Not your truth. Not somebody else's truth. But everybody has a, a truth. Because you have a truth doesn't mean it's true. It's just your truth. Which could be false. But it says the church, at least on this, the word written is the foundation, is the pillar and the ground, the foundation of the truth. That's a powerful statement. So, God's truth is not necessarily our truth. Our truth must become God's truth. Because God's truth is the foundation the pillar of the church, of the body of Christ. Because God's word does not return void. God's word is eternal. So you can have whatever truth you want, but if it doesn't line up with God's word, it ain't true. And your truth will be put to the test. Because today you could have one truth, tomorrow you have a different truth. Based on the test that the first truth went through and it found to be a lie, then you come up with a different truth because it doesn't apply to the previous truth because it was proved to be false. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. This is to also tell us who we are. So the written word is not only tell us how to conduct ourselves, it also tells us who we are and what we ought to be about. Our heart and mind must be in line with the word of God. Not in knowledge only, but by experience through practical application. So we're talking about there is no substitute for experience. So how we know is by experience. So you only get experience when you go, you have to go through something to get the experience. To experience childbirth, you've got to go through childbirth. To experience the love of God, to experience forgiveness, you got to go through something. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we are not to despise the challenges or the, the trials that we go through, we encounter. We are not to despise it. That's why the Bible says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, which is the great re recompense of reward. You know, we read that, but when you're going through it, and you, you read that scripture. You got to really hold on to that. Hold on for your life. No, serious. You got to hold on for your life. Because truly, I don't want, Lord, I don't want to go through this test again. I, I need to overcome this. So you hold, hold on for your life. Because we got, Lord, we, we're going through this. We are overcoming this. So do not despise the challenges we encounter. But learn to see them through a heavenly lens and learn from them. 
Understand that there is something the Lord is doing in our lives. At times painful. But if we endure, we will mature and yield godly fruit. This is what God is about in our lives. Remember what Jesus said? I am the vine. You are the branches. He said, if the vine, if the branches abide in me, you will bear much fruit. We read that. Do you have any idea the context of what he's saying? There is agony and pain in that. How are you going to bear fruit? You've got to go through some stuff to bear fruit. It's not just going to happen. There is agony in it. Because of ourselves, our flesh, don't, we don't want to do the things God wants to do. We want to do our own thing. But our own thing is not godly fruit. So as you go through the trial, you better stay plugged into the vine. Because that's the only way you're going to come through and bear godly fruit. And that godly fruit comes from God ripping stuff out from you. Ripping your heart apart. I'm just saying ripping your heart apart. But peeling you like an onion. And he's going to do it. Because there is, he's got to, we have to be conformed to the image of his son. And we, it, listen, when you say yes to Jesus, you're on a fast track. To, that's your fast track. To be conformed to the image of his son. Because God said in the beginning that's what he's going to do. It ain't easy. It's painful. And I'm not saying this to scare anybody. I'm just telling you the reality of our life in Christ. Because while we're in this flesh, we are a threat to the kingdom of God. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? You could be Bible toting, but once you're in this flesh, you are a threat to the kingdom of God. Because if you're not careful, the enemy will use you. Alright, First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says, my goodness, expressly says. So that's something you've got to pay attention to. That in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That's all, that's all I'm going to read. So what are we talking about? Our heart and our stuff. The Spirit expressly says in the latter time some will, some will depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What does this have to do with the heart and the stuff? It says here some will depart from the faith. So there was once a time they were sold out to God. In church, doing, doing whatever. But it says they walk away from it. What is going on there? The pressure comes. Whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be an instant. It could be over time. Just pressure upon pressure upon pressure. And the Bible clearly talks about the foundation be careful how you build upon that foundation. Because, but the day will put it to the test. We have to be very careful about what we, be, what we believe. How we build upon that foundation. Because imagine. Your Christian walk. And you have been, you've built things on that whole foundation. And trials come and just trash everything. Because what you were believing 
all that time, what you were standing on was false doctrine. That is devastating in the life of an individual. So the choice we have to make, when you, that individual has to make, do we still turn to God or we do walk away? Everything or most of what I believe is a lie. So when you read this, some depart from the faith. How can people walk away? It's very easy. It happens very, it can happen very easily. Very easily. I was reading an article the other day. This pastor of a mega church walked away. See, I don't believe in Christianity anymore. What happened? And it's not him. There are others who are walking away, turning. But then the question to me, to me is, I don't judge them. I pray for them. The question is, the doctrine that this was standing on, whatever happened over time, put that to the test. And they found some things lacking. That is not necessarily a bad thing. Really. Sometimes it's good to have your religion turned upside down. So that eventually, if you turn, learn to trust God, He will reveal the truth to you. Really. That is, that's a test. And it's putting us on display. But then I read about some of the things they were embracing. I'm like, whoa, that is a bit off. But I'm not going to judge. I'm going to pray for them. Because I realize I myself, I am not infallible. I'm fallible. I can screw up. I can make mistakes. And I'm trusting you all. If I say something that you believe is not right, let me know. And we could talk about it. Not just quiet and say, that's off. I ain't coming back to see it. I ain't coming back here no more. What, what kind of cowardly act is that? If you know somebody's doing something wrong, tell them. If you love them, you tell them. Now what they do with it, that's a different story. But when I read that, I'm like, Lord, you are really shaking things up. You are shaking people's theology. Amen. He, and he's going to do it. He is going to do it. The question is, what do you do when he shakes your theology? Do you cut and run? Do you turn away from him? Because it, it's, that's nothing new to Jesus. When he was saying who he was. They said, this is hard to hear. And they stopped walking with him. They turned away and they went back to doing whatever they were doing. Anyhow. I'll, I'll continue with this next week. We must guard our hearts. Be aware of the stuff. I don't care what the stuff is. And I define what the stuff is. But just don't. Whatever the stuff is, do not allow it to overcome you. You overcome the stuff. And remember that we are on display. But we can overcome. And we must keep praying for one another. We must keep praying for one another. We must show mercy and compassion to others. We must do it. Because the Bible talks about what you sow, you shall also reap. If you show mercy, you show compassion... Guess what you will reap? 
When you mess up, you reap mercy and you reap compassion. Okay? I can't say this enough. The Lord clearly been pounding this in my head. Have compassion. Show mercy. Because that's what He did. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Because God didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that, but that the world through Him might be saved. What was God doing? Showing mercy and showing compassion. And we have to do the same thing. 